What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. Today's episode is with Jasmine Maeda, the founder of Round 21. Jasmine played professional basketball in Spain and spent several years running marketing teams at large brands like Under Armour and Peloton. But in 2019, she left the corporate world behind and started Round 21. So in this conversation, we discuss what Web3 really is, why athletes want to be entrepreneurs, the relationship between sports, art, and culture, and so much more. I really enjoyed this episode with Jasmine, and I hope that you do too. But before we get into it, let's quickly run through today's sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Whoop. Whoop is a 24-7 personalized fitness wearable that's here to help you improve your recovery, sleep, fitness, and health. It's the one tech product that I wear 24-7. Here's how it works. Each day when you get up, Whoop gives you a recovery score based on your sleep, resting heart rate, respiratory rate, and heart rate variability. Your score lets you know how to approach your day, whether you should push or shove during your workout or activity, or if you should skip the gym and take a rest day. You wear your Whoop on your wrist, bicep, or now within one of their new smart clothing garments called Whoop Body. The band connects with an app on your phone, and it automatically measures your heart rate, calories, and activity levels throughout the day. The band also automatically detects and classifies your workouts, so there's never an issue in forgetting to press go on a run anymore. You can then analyze your activity levels in the app. There's also a ton of coaching features within it like Strain Coach, which gives you target workout exertion goals tailored to your body's recovery level for that day. Those goals change over the course of the day, depending on how active you've been. That coaching is where Root really shines. Whether you're interested in how CBD or alcohol impacts your sleep and recovery, or you're just wondering how long of a run you should go on, Whoop is there to provide you with personalized data to make sure you're aware of the impact these decisions have on your body. And Whoop is now offering 15% off their new Whoop 4.0 right now with the code Joe at checkout. Go to Whoop, W-H-O-O-P.com and enter Joe, J-O-E, at checkout to save 15%. Sleep better, recover faster, train smarter, and now feel healthier with Whoop. Next up is Underdog Fantasy, the easiest and best way to play fantasy sports. Join a league and draft a team in minutes. They make it that easy, and yes, that simple. But if you'd like to spice things up, try their new Pick'em game. Just pick over or under on your favorite or least favorite player stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile app. Just pick between two and five players, and you can take home some cold, hard cash. Go to underdogfantasy.com and use code POMP. That's P-O-M-P, POMP, and get your first deposit doubled by Underdog today. All right, let's get into this episode. Joe Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of Joe Pompliano and his guests are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion by Joe or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, Jasmine, I'm super excited to talk to you today. You're the founder of Round 21, which is a fascinating business at the intersection of sports, culture, art, etc. But maybe let's start with your background, because I think that's probably the right place to start. How did you start this business? What got you interested in this business? What did you do before you founded this business? So it's funny you call it a business because it's been my life. I started feeling like sports was a part of my identity from a very young age, seventh grade, eighth grade, and still equally am passionate about sports and created a career really rooted in both the passion, the understanding of locker room culture. And it was post-college where I played overseas and then went on to coach where I started to feel like 
man, there might be a career here and got very lucky that Reebok took a chance on me in the mid 2000s, right as Adidas acquired them. And I went on to work at brands that are generation defining in sports, gaming and tech related to culture. And that 20 years feels like a blink of an eye, but actually is a whole generation. And the generation today is very different than when I played. And even sports fans, I feel like, you know, you'll follow LeBron wherever he goes, or you'll follow a QB or any athlete if you care about the athlete. Back when I played, it was about the team. You know, you were a Raiders fan, you were a Pats fan. So the player is really the icon. And then from an athlete's perspective, it's about brand me. It's not about, oh, there is no I in team, conform. Like, And so I believe there's no sports brand building with this generation and leveraging technology, content ownership, the creator economy expectations. And that is what Round 21's really rooted in, is an understanding of this generation of sports fans and athletes and building a business and a community around self-expression and sports in a way that's very different than any of the other companies that have come before. Gotcha. And I have a bunch of questions based off of that answer, but I think it's probably helpful for people if we explain what Round 21 is first. And maybe I'll do my best and then you can correct me where I'm wrong or, or implement some of your thought process. To me, and what I've seen, Round 21 is this interesting business where you're able to work with athletes, entertainers, creators, et cetera, in an artistic way. And you actually make, I don't know if they're collectibles or memorabilia, but they're pieces of art. So you'll take a basketball, you'll take a ping pong paddle, you'll take something of that nature, and you'll create art with it. You'll partner with artists, et cetera. You'll use their creativity. Maybe they're partnering with you on it or not. And then you'll sell this to fans. Is that kind of correct, way off, et cetera? That was unbelievably accurate. And then some. So there's a little there's a little bit more, but you are absolutely spot on the nose. We build it from the perspective of you can possess a piece of art, a story. The canvas happens to be sports. So people have the choice. We get this all the time. Like, is this product made for display or play? And we're like, hey, it's your choice. Just like, you know, people will buy a thousand dollar pair of Yeezys and they can decide if it's for display or play because sneakers have this appreciative asset class value now. And we believe art, and in some cases, Round 21 has created a similar artifact of the sports lifestyle. But what I think we are able to do is we are leveraging both the idea of self-expression in sports, but we're not limiting it to physical collectibles or goods. We are also leveraging the full power of the blockchain and tokenized goods and providing that social currency, that digital identity of being in sports as an asset but also using that NFT to provide our super fans, for lack of a better word, early access, deeper experiences, because they really believe in our mission and our vision. And so that's really the full ecosystem of Round 21. Gotcha. And I mean, percentages don't necessarily matter, but is the business predominantly physical art or is it predominantly digital art at this point? It's a great question. It, it does matter to us because we think that there is a splitting of focus and resources. Currently, our business has been rooted in physicals, but what our community says is they feel like it's equal because our physicals have often come from NFT community collaborations or a partnership with Coinbase. So there's a perception that we are hybrid, fluid, both digital and physical, which we want. The business has really been rooted in physicals. We're, I think, entering a new era now with Round 21s supply chain capabilities, our reputational value, our reliability in physicals to unlock 
with our NFT, new utility that everybody already knows with Round 21 is not a mystery because we've been doing it for two years. Whereas a lot of other NFT platforms or projects speak to utility and you know, the verdict will be after the fact. And so we're really proud that we've set the foundation and now we have that to leverage. You can just say that most of that's bullshit because <laughs> I think uh, in some cases it is, right? People are, are always screaming about utility, 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 and it's not always the case. But I'm curious if you guys have ever, have you guys partnered with NFT projects as the physical component, right? So I don't know if even naming a specific NFT project is relevant, but if you take Board Apes, for example, one that everyone is aware of, would you guys partner with someone like that and provide a physical component to it from a utility perspective? Yes, and we actually already have. So in 2021, we were collecting along with everybody else, both myself personally and then others on the team. And so we started to have our own knowledge base of what the communities would talk about or what they would spend time doing. And we started to see people changing their PFPs to Bored Apes, but talking about Top Shot. And I was like, there's a sports streak in this community. And it's a funny story that back then, you know, I, I was in the community, I own an ape. And so I emailed the founders. This is like, feels like an era ago, but quickly, just within a few days, we dropped a co-branded NFT, Round 21 and the Bored Ape Yacht Club that gave kennel club owners actually access to buy the physical basketball. And most people know from reading the metadata of that NFT that it comes with two physicals. So there's another one still to come. Similarly, the Smiles project by Wahid has definitely a streetwear sports style vibe, but Giovanni on the team and Senior Crypto are just amazing people. So we partnered with them on a similar physical of a mini hoop, a basketball mini hoop, because some so many people are still kind of living the COVID life. And so we're very discerning and choiceful. But if the project or community loves sports, is dedicated to sport, and that community has shown a tremendous amount of integrity and value and we align, we want to serve that. And, and so that is a big piece of the both revenue mix for Round 21, but the community extension that we provide. And as the CEO of the business, I'm sure you've thought a lot about this, but I'm personally curious how you think about the economics on the physical side versus the digital side, right? Because I think everyone at this point has probably seen Yuga Labs financials. And I use them as the extreme example of, obviously, they're one of the most successful brands that we've seen in the space, but they had like 92% profit margins, I think, when it came out. And they were making over $120, $130 million last year, and they had like 10 employees, right? And I use them because it's a good example of how fast some of these brands can scale and get kind of outsized margins and all of that type of stuff. The physical world is obviously different where the margins aren't nearly as attractive. There's some supply chain related things that you have to deal with. Is this something where the digital side is more attractive economically, but you still have to focus on the physical side? Or just talk me through kind of how you think about that. So because our ambition is to be a sports lifestyle brand for this generation, we think about where the community spends time and reflects their identity. So it's physical goods, it's experiences in sports, and it's digital experiences and goods. There's no doubt profit margin on digital goods is stronger. However, if you think about the way physicals are used today within the NFT space, they're actually marketing, they're community engagement. And so you could argue that the physicals are the first ever profitable marketing channel for a brand. We're not paying $1 to Google and Facebook for advertising. 
we've not spent $1 creating and aggregating our community. And so for us, we're building an ecosystem of engagement, loyalty, shareable physicals and digitals that become basically onboarding for a new level of our community because they're seeing their friends talk about their products and experiences. And that flywheel is a very powerful, margin-rich ecosystem. So for us, it's all working together as one. We don't compare the two because we feel like they're all contributing to building that lifestyle brand. So you think that the physical component actually is a better customer acquisition channel than traditional advertising, essentially? I think if you are serving a community with products that surprise and delight them and they're share-worthy, the share-worthy value of word of mouth has been quite literally like researched and and published for the past 10 years, right? That value add, that credibility, that it could be a very powerful acquisition channel. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. And I think another thing that's probably helpful for people is if we talk how not only like a normal deal works, but the typical customer, right? So maybe let's start with how you guys do a deal today. If someone comes and wants to one, make a basketball or whatever product it is with art, and then what the typical customer, average customer might look like for you guys today. Yeah. So if somebody, you know, comes to us, if it's cold, which typically it's not, we're in this, in the space, but they would need to have dialogue with us around one, what's the story they want to tell and how have they told it before? Two, why is it relevant to sports or why are they so well positioned within sports to be a part of our platform? Because we have an undeniable anchor to sports. And then three is what is their community value from them? This is something that's a little bit difficult. You could be an amazing, whether it's artist or musician or tastemaker influencer who gets a lot of likes, but if you've never presented something that your community has said, I'm going to put my hard-earned money because I want a piece of that. There's a chance they are entertained by you, but don't value that part of what you have to offer. We want to make sure that we see that first because we know that we're an upstart, right? One day, and this is in our roadmap for us as a business, one day we want to be the brand platform for the new and emerging. And we want to have an audience of 10 million people who are waiting for the next round 21 drop. When we're there, the criteria will change. But right now, that is kind of the dialogue. And there's a little bit of subjectivity. I've been in brand management for 20 years, so I have a little bit of a nose for what feels right, but there is a consistent criteria. The process from there, I think you asked about who's our consumer or community. There's actually no denying Round 21 focuses on the sports fan. That sports fan, however, may currently think about, pay attention to, and spend more time and resources around digital sports, which is really top shot, or or autograph or, you know, DraftKings, et cetera, or physical sports and consumption. And that's why we are very comfortable having products and experiences for both. We believe that eventually that will be one community and consumer, but today it's definitely two. And in terms of like what our analytics suggest is people are coming to round21.com via Twitter much more than they are any other like channels that we promote or support our story through. And that is suggesting that the NFT native community cares more about what Round 21 is talking about, which we're planning to serve them in a really important way starting the summer with a new point of view around our membership and and what it means to be a part of our NFT ecosystem. Gotcha. And 
How do you think about just community and sports in general? I think everyone realizes by now it's obviously super important in my mind, at least sports teams are like one of the OG, like community driven assets, if that's what we're going to call them, right? Everyone knows that you're a fan of the team. Maybe your parents are a fan of the team. Your friends are a fan of the team. You watch the games, you hang out at the games, you talk about the games, et cetera. Is this something that you see as like an ancillary kind of add-on or bolt-on that a lot of these organizations or leagues can do? Like, is that an avenue that you guys are searching to partner with teams and leagues and offer some of this? I don't know if it's memorabilia or collectibles, whatever they want to call it relative to their fans. But I'm curious if there's an avenue there where teams see a lot of value in this. Yeah. So right now we don't think about the teams or leagues or the institution of, you know, I think sports has had a renaissance the past 20 years, but honestly, sports has always been about the emotional highs and lows of championships and rivalries and ill-timed injuries and timeouts. I think about, you know, the Fab Five and Michigan. I mean, just poor, poor Chris Weber. They've always had those moments. What sports have always also had is moments like taking a knee or George Bush throwing out the first pitch after 9-11 or Muhammad Ali and how he used sports as a platform for more or how women in sports definitely use it to represent more, particularly women like Megan Rapino, around injustices and inequality. What that is all suggesting is that sports is a platform for society and societal change and stories that are often told, but there hasn't been a platform for that. And that is what Round 21 is dedicated to. We want to hear from the athletes. We want to hear from artists. And artists have always documented sport as it's happening. And we want to be a vehicle for that to be shared and experienced by sports fans for the first time at scale. So we think if we do that right, teams will find a role for Round 21. But we don't think we should go and think about how can we build something for the Chicago Bulls or the New England Patriots, et cetera. We want to serve the athletes and the artists because we think that the emotional stories of sports go well beyond the playing field, and they always have. And we're providing the artifact of the game, literally the, the thing that people play as the canvas for that, as, as the handshake with the community, and we'll round it out and already are rounding it out with other sports lifestyle products and experiences. Gotcha. And I guess one question would be like, how big can this business be? Because I think the smaller thought process or the, the pessimist would say that it's collectibles, right? Like it's, it's a smaller asset class. But then when you think about it on a global scale, sports is one of the biggest industries in the entire world. Collectibles is obviously a huge part of that. We've seen massive investments in collectibles over the last few years, both physical and digital for sure. And you guys are at this unique point where you're able to really infiltrate both, right? And you're, you're, you're combining really both. So Zooming out for a second, as the founder and, and CEO of the business, like how do you think about this long term? So, Round Twenty One's opportunity is absolutely massive because we're actually thinking about three parts of the sports lifestyle: collectibles, no doubt, from a physical perspective; identity, from a digital perspective; and not to be overlooked, IP. And so, when you think about case studies of those three, the supreme, right? brand, the big red brick, represented IP. They're through collaborations, through streetwear, authenticity, et cetera. People call Round 21 the supreme of sports, which we love. That IP is going to grow over time based on the community we keep related to the artist community and how we go to market. The collectibles being 
the artifacts of the game, limited editions, scarce in partnership with athletes and artists. But then kind of hot off the press, we just won a community competition. The community voted on which startup the Genie's avatar ecosystem should partner with. And round 21 won that, I don't know, two days ago. And so from a digital identity perspective, you look at Genie's recently well-funded Series C, $150 million unicorn, bringing avatars to the masses, starting with the most influential celebrities in sports. If you want to play in the Genie's ecosystem, Round 21 wants to be the sporting goods experience for you. And so that digital identity also being kind of the third leg of the stool helps round out where Round 21 believes we can have our greatest impact, which is through both IP and physical collectibles, as well as digital identity. Yeah. For those that don't know, there's this gentleman named Bob Iger who joined the board of Genies. So there is, they're certainly making moves for sure. I want to talk a little bit more about digital identity though, and, and maybe in the context of your business for sure, but just broadly also, which is, I think people probably have underestimated to some degree the desire for digital identity. I think maybe a year or two ago, at least from what I've seen, this was laughed at in large capacity. It's become certainly more common now. I mean, Twitter rolling out profile picture avatars of NFTs and allowing you to literally make that your digital identity was certainly a, a big feature, I'm sure, for most of the believers. How do you think about digital identities today? Is this just like a no-brainer now because we've expressed it in the physical world forever and now it's just digital? Just talk me through kind of how you think about it in a macro view. I mean, my, my view is definitely going to be biased, but I feel like we went from being who we are to being enhanced, right? All the filters that came out to definitely this crazy, chaotic COVID, then all of us are talking heads from the chest up to PFP. So I don't know if anyone could have predicted this, but I think people have always wanted alter egos. I do. I think there's been a longstanding life stage rebranding people have felt with like, oh, now I'm going to college and I can reinvent who I am. Now I'm going to my first job. I can reinvent who I am. I think reinventing identity is, a, is, is human nature. The ability to now do it on an at once or like as on demand basis, I think is here to stay. I also come from my last job. I was VP of brand at Peloton where your leaderboard name actually was how people thought of you. And that leaderboard name could be playful. And you could be the CEO of a company and talk about like, I ride for wine. And so people want to also be seen, not just by the labels that people apply to you, but by how you feel that day. And so I think back when it was Bitmoji and there were these little characters or even the giraffe that the iPhone, I think that was kitschy. But I do feel like PFPs where you've invested time and hard earned money, people want to show that off. And it coincides with this idea of alter ego, which I think is a part of all of us. Yeah, I think the other interesting thing too is just the quantity of time that we spend online now, right? I think people really underestimate how much time people are online. Your, your friends are online, right? There's people I've met online for years now that I've never met in person and, and we've become friends and we talk every day and all this stuff. And you, you underestimate the importance of the online identity. And everyone knows the, the physical flex has always been there. Right? It's the reason why car brands are so popular. It's the reason why designer brands are so popular and so forth. So it's almost kind of like it's a natural extension now that we had the analog version and now we're moving into the digital version. As you move online more and more of your time, like 
your friends are going to be online. You're going to hang out online. You might as well flex online now too. And I think really the, the unlock is just getting past the idea of like, oh yeah, this person spent a million dollars on this profile picture. Like that's really not necessarily what it's about. It's more about identifying yourself and, and, and creating this vision online of, of the person you want to be. That's probably only going to get more predominant in my mind. Agree. A thousand percent. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about Shark Tank. You were on Shark Tank. <laughs> I watched the episode recently. I thought it was great. I thought you did a fantastic job. So kudos to you. You were confident. You went up there. You had all the answers. It was great. I recommend everyone watch it one, but I want to talk about what went into it because I've watched a lot of Shark Tank, but I've never actually talked to someone that's been on Shark Tank. Let's start with how you get on Shark Tank because I'm sure there's plenty of people that would like to be on Shark Tank or figure it out or, or even know the in and out. So how did you get on Shark Tank? Well, the first thing they have you do is sign a really, really restrictive NDA. So I'll start with that. But, you know, there's an application process that's available 24-7, 365, which I did in 2020, which is crazy because it aired, you know, two weeks ago in spring 22. But I got a call back and the process was really rigorous. I mean, the rumor on the street is hundreds of thousands of people apply. They take whatever hundred through the due diligence and then you tape and you're still not potentially going to be on air. And so for me, it was one of those things where I was building round 21, whether I got on Shark Tank or not. And as I was preparing for the hope of taping, it was a forcing function for me to clarify the story. What are we doing? What aren't we doing? And for us, which has already been, I mean, 20 minutes of talking about how complicated Round 21's business model is, was a very important job to be done. And so we value just that, just being able to say, we went with our pitch in a way that was boiled down to digi-fizzy, digital and physical experiences and products. The taping happened last year. And then, you know, six months later, it aired. And so the data points on air that were filmed were very wildly outdated. We actually did a deal on the show, which after the taping, we mutually decided not to move forward with. So reality TV has a way of not actually being reality in some ways, but it was wonderful to go through as an experience. The producers are absolutely incredible. They make you feel like you're the only person going through it. And I, I really appreciated, you know, the opportunity that ABC and, and everybody gave to us. Wait, so they'll tape and you still don't know if it's actually going to air when you actually record the episode? Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of factors, right? One is how many episodes will the network take? What if there were 50 sports brands that came through and that's a little redundant or homogenous? So I'm sure they have a lot of factors, but kind of like business in general in life, nothing's a guarantee. But we were really glad to get the confirmation that we'd be on air and it was an important media moment for us. Yeah, and I, I'm conscious of the fact that you opened this up with you had to sign a rigorous NDA. So <laughs> I won't I won't hopefully ask anything too outrageous, but the segments are a few minutes long. I assume the regular segment is much longer than that and then they cut it down. Is that how it works? Yeah, and I think for us, it was even more so needed to have extra time because we were the first Web3 brand to ever go on Shark Tank, right? So we'll always have that little memory ushering in what should be a whole new era of entrepreneurship, to be able to go up there and negotiate on percentages of NFTs on the secondary or primary. And so it took time to articulate who we are. And then the questions the sharks had were a lot, both about Round 21, the business, but about the crypto ecosystem and what is a tokenized good and why does it matter as well. So editing job is a big one, I think, on the show, but also 
I'm glad they give us the space to actually have the dialogue because it really does manifest into what becomes for some a real life-changing deal. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's obviously awesome regardless, I think, right? You're able to tell your story to a bunch of people. So my last question would just be around Web3 in general. You mentioned it there specifically for a second about some of the Shark Tank hosts and, and explaining it, obviously. But I would love to know just like what Web3 means to you. How do you explain it to people that have never heard of Web3 or have no idea what it is? And then just the future of it. Like, How do you see this impacting entrepreneurship and, and creators in general? I know that's a loaded question. I'm basically giving you a canvas to just give me your, your unfiltered thoughts. So I will answer it in the order you asked, though, because what it means to me is magic, actually, which is a funny answer. But to me, this is an era where creativity will win. My peers are in corporate roles at big institution, multinational companies, and they want to know how do you break in or what's the blueprint? And there is not one. It's really, what do you want to achieve and how creative are you at going at it? And I love that. Like, you don't go to school for Web3. You are a practitioner. And I feel like I'm well positioned because I'm a learn by doing person. And I try to encourage people to do that too. Of course, you want the handholding of how do you open a MetaMask or Coinbase or what's what does a token ID mean and why does it matter? But ultimately... I think it's important that you participate. And for the magical part of it, I think it's really around ownership and feeling like you are in control of your asset, which is your identity, which is what you own, and being able to travel the internet ecosystem with that as your key. And that is so powerful and must make all of the social media platforms very scared. And obviously they're investing a lot in that. But I think that is where we're starting to see the internet as a new platform for this generation from this moment own the legacy of what they invest in and what they create. That is incredible. It's kind of all I got, but that, that otherwise, you know, you can go on so many tangents there, but that's what it means to me. No, I love it. I, I think it's important, right? Because just the create aspect, what you touched on last is like, there's been so much value created throughout really history, but the last 20 years specifically for a bunch of different kind of private companies and everything that goes along with that. And if we can find a way, however it is, you want to call it Web3, you want to call it something else, sure, it doesn't matter, right? But I think that the idea is to find a way to drive some of that value back to the initial users and the creators, the people that are making these platforms and these businesses what they are today. I think my my one hope is just that like it gets easier from a functionality perspective because I talk to someone that has never done it before and they're like, how do I open a wallet? I have no idea how to do this. What do you mean I got to go buy this virtual funny money on the internet? Like this makes no sense. So I think like there's certainly some brands that are helping with that. And actually, I would say that sports brands are probably leading the way on that. If you think about NBA Top Shot and So Rare and, and companies like that, because they have these these on-ramps to crypto where you don't even know that you're using crypto in some cases. You're, you're plugging in your debit card or your credit card and you're buying these goods online with crypto, but you don't even know it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how that evolves over time. And I think sports will probably be at the forefront of that. But that was a perfect answer, long story short. And I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Where can we send people to learn more about Round 21? Yeah, I appreciate that. So if you want to understand what's available, really round21.com has that. I think the culture of Round 21 is starting to build within our Discord. So discord.gg forward slash Round 21. And then we have the secret kind of our, our culture site where I just can't 
not post all the cool stuff we do, which is Discord, T-H-I-S-C-O-R-D, Discord.xyz. So there are a lot of different places. We want to be decentralized. People consume content in different ways. But yeah, Discord, Twitter, around21.com. You know, we're around. Amazing. We'll find you. <laughs> I love that. Amazing. I recommend everyone go check it out. I was on your website before we started this. And, and there's some amazing art for sure. There's some very cool art that I think people will really enjoy if they Appreciate go check it. it out. So highly recommend that. And we'll have to do this again. Hopefully the business continues to grow and scale and I'm confident that you guys will. So I'm sure we'll be doing this again in the future. Thank you so much. Of course. All right, everyone. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, I appreciate you listening to The Joe Pomp Show. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify so that you don't miss any episodes going forward. And if you are looking for additional content, check out my daily newsletter at readhuddleup.com or follow me on Twitter at Joe Pompliano. I hope you have a great day and I'll see you next time.